welcome back to another Angry Wargamer podcast. I'm Jason, the Angry Wargamer. We got Drew and Orlando back this week. Yo. What's up? All right, so I kind of want to start off with kind of like a new thing. Maybe not a weekly thing, maybe a weekly thing, whenever we get around to it. But kind of cover some stuff that's like upcoming for... Uh, new releases, uh, some DLC announcements, and some um, sales that have been going on for some games that are really fucking cool. So we'll start off with the PlayStation stuff because these deals are pretty phenomenal, actually. Um, Ghost, of Shishima, uh, Ghost of Tsushima, and I'm going to fuck that up. <laughs> Uh, is on sale. It's only 25% off, but it's you're not paying full price for it. So, good game. Grab it from the Play Store. Good stuff. Um, I'm about to grab it. The PlayStation Plus, if you got that, Vampire and one of the racing games is up right now. Um, I don't really care about the racing stuff, but Vampire. Uh, I've heard mixed reviews about it, and I'm going to play through it, kind of give you guys an idea of how I feel about it. Uh, Monster Hunter World's coming. It is on sale right now for $14.99, but there's a new Monster Hunter coming out. So uh, grab that one at your own risk kind of deal. Uh, Dragon Ball Fighter Z is 84% off. So it's 10 bucks right now. But I think all of the DLC is on sale with it. So all the characters that have been released, you can pick up uh, the bundles for a little bit cheaper than paying the full price for them. Um... I think that's it uh, as far as PlayStation stuff goes. You have some of the PlayStation hits, like Injustice is like 3 bucks right now. The original or second? The original ones, the God Among Us Ultimate Edition is 3 well, bucks right now. It's not that bad considering. That's a pretty meaty game. So I think that's actually a really good deal. Yeah. I mean, if you're into that kind of thing. Um, I don't, I'm trying to pull away from NRS. I don't know. I mean, I like NRS's stuff, but they once they release a new game, they kind of just forget about their games when they come out, like when the new one comes out. They don't really try to keep up with stuff. Oh, Prey. That one's 50% off right now. 15 bucks. That one's a good game. Metal Gear Solid 5 is 3 bucks. if you haven't played it yet. It's a pretty fun game. Unravel is 8 bucks, But Unravel, I have it on my Switch. Pretty fucking cool game. <laughs> I like it. And then speaking of, we have Switch stuff. Um, as far as deals go, there's really, it's more of the indie stuff that's on sale right now. There's no like big titles that I can really like recommend as far as the Nintendo Switch goes. But the Nintendo Switch does have a lot of games that are kind of be, that are releasing this month. The Crown Tundra for Pokemon comes this month towards the end of uh, next week, right? 22nd, I think. Yep. Yep. So uh, DLC for Pokemon will be the 22nd of October. Oh, let's go back to the date. Today is October 10th, 2020. We're never going to say that at the beginning. I've already come to that. Like when I remember, I think we're just going (laughs) to say it. Um. Yeah, and then Minecraft Steve for Smash Brothers is coming. He got announced. And we have some announcements with 
It should be coming MK up this week, wouldn't it? Steve? Yeah, I think yeah. I think Steve is this week. He comes in before Crown Tundra does, if I recall. Yeah. Yeah, he'll come this week and then oh, these are both this week, right? Tenth? No, no. Crown yeah, so this week is gonna be Steve. Next week is gonna be Crown Tundra. Cool beans. Yep. And then MK11 announcements and I guess I'll let you guys take it from here because uh, I just kind of wanted to do the, the updates on some sales, some games that were coming out and things to look forward to. Well, it's fine. I mean, for the MK stuff, it's not necessarily any better. We are getting um, Sylvester Stallone for <laughs> Mortal Kombat 11. Yeah, more specifically, more specifically, his character, John Rambo. Yeah. Uh I don't know how I, I feel about that. It, honestly, like it, I, I kind, I, I, I kind of want to be excited about it because no one would have thought of John Rambo of all things would be back as a video game character. I think two other char- two other characters got announced with him that kind of overshadow him. I think, at least in my opinion, because I, I hate Mortal Kombat with the fucking movie characters. It's like okay, put a couple in. You had Spawn. You had Terminator. Stop. Bring, bring back the old cast first. <laughs> and then the other two characters were uh, Rain and uh, Melina, I think. Okay, that's not bad. But when you're saying bring back the old cast, what do you mean? I mean, there's so many characters from the MK franchise to choose from. I know. We already talked about that. I want Armageddon to come back. I want the whole roster. I don't care about any other new characters. I want the whole fucking roster in the game. <laughs> Jason wants to play him some meat. Yeah. I want that Smash Brothers experience in MK11, goddammit. Screw that. We've, we might as well... Screw meat. We might as... I, I'll prefer playing as the guy with a bunch of balls all around him. You're talking about mo Yeah, it's mo <laughs> Yeah, I mean, NRS is like... This is what I'm saying. Like everyone's talking about, there's there's hints that of a new Mortal Kombat coming out on the PS5, and everyone's already talking about once that happens, they're just going to drop MK11. So if you're doing that and you're still releasing characters for it, I think that's pretty fucking messed up, in my opinion. I could agree with you on that, but uh, for if they really are making a new MK for PS5, I'm more than okay with it because I'll be honest with you. MK MK11's uh, uh, fighting engine is uh, pretty shit. I don't. I mean, I kind of like it. It's kind of a, so. You could basically pick up any character and play any character. It has a very like balanced feel to it. So it's it's more. It plays more like an anime style type of game where you have to know when it's your turn. Um. I don't know. I I like the way it plays. I really do. I just wish there was more of character selection and NRS was a lot better about putting characters into the game. There's there's rumored. Oh, shit. I should have pulled that up. There's rumors of com. Um, I almost said Comcast. Why can't I sure, think of their fucking name? <laughs> no, I can't. What the fuck name of the company? Oh, Capcom. my God. Capcom. That's it. There's uh, rumors of Capcom's like games coming out in the next um, like generation of what they're working on, and it came from a source 
that predicted a lot of the stuff that's already happened with Capcom. So I wish I had that information right in front of me, but I don't. <laughs> this is supposed to be a casual experience anyways, Jay. If you had it on you, you had it on you. I'm not going to hold it to you. Yeah, no, I'll figure it out one day. <laughs> so, but hey, if it um isn't Capcom re-releasing uh the Scott Pilgrim versus the World game? Yeah, I'm excited about that shit. I am all fucking yeah. right. We talked about that two two times ago, two casts ago, I think. Have we? Well, yeah. shit. Did we? I don't think we did. We, we talked about that. Okay. So the first time we talked about it was back in 2018, 2019. And then we brought it up again a couple podcasts ago. But yeah, yeah the, but it still just, still just blows my mind that they're doing it. I, I'm, I'm tickled pink that they are. The funny thing is, is that I apparently didn't realize this, but I have a, so, I have a sort of in on that kind of stuff. A, friend, a mutual friend of mine in Orlando's. Uh, I'll, t- I'll talk to you. I'll tell you about him after the podcast. But uh, he actually... Uh, before the announcement actually told me about it and I completely it completely escaped my mind until I saw the announcement the following day. And I'm just like, dude, he was he was right. Damn. It's <laughs> nice to have that in sometimes. Not like it was really gonna change anything, but it's just kinda nice to know before a lot of other people do. Yeah, you no, get to really enjoy nice. the hype before the hype is even built. Yeah, well, only if you're actually hyped for the game. I'm <laughs> I'm not a fan of the game like you guys are well then again i never really played the first one and i can almost say i didn't watch the movie <laughs> i never watched the movie either i'm just i'm just a fan of beat-em-ups yeah oh there was another there was a beat-em-up i told drew about that I, what was that game it's on um the nintendo switch online for the super nintendo do you remember the name of the game no, but I have my Switch with me, so it isn't hard to look. Yeah. No, I ended up picking it up. It was like, uh, like, no, it was free. In fact, I still go back to the original Nintendo and play it like uh, Double Dragon, Double Dragon 2. The Peacekeepers, by the way. Peacekeepers, that's it. Yeah. Man. Oh, and then, isn't there, is there an updated version of Fists of, was it Streets of Fury? No, Streets of Rage. Streets of Rage 4, right? Yes. Isn't there an updated version? Yeah, I gotta pick that up too. I haven't done that either. Yeah, it updated, <laughs> it, it updated a couple weeks ago. Um, I was watching a stream. Some oh, somebody I knew was playing it. it. It looks really. It looks like things got streamlined and a few characters actually got buffed. Unfortunately, they got rid of a couple of infinite loops that were built into the game, but that's fine. It, it yeah. makes the, the the characters are a lot more balanced now. No, that's that's the whole point of a beat 'em up. You want them to be similar, but have their own like style. There are rumors that we're actually getting some uh, extra characters along with everything else, too, so that should be fun. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> so, 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 question for the group. How do y'all feel about uh, Monster Hunter games in general? So, I tried to get into Monster Hunter Worlds before the Iceborne thing dropped, and... I thought it was a more of an RPG style. I didn't realize it was like a get a group, go hunt, and then craft armor type game. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, so, I got a I got Monster Hunter Four Ultimate as a as a uh, Christmas present a few years back. It ended up boring the ever loving shit out of me. They have a really good community, and 
it's crazy because like when you hear about it, like you hear people like meet each other. It, so, it sounds like an MMO type of experience. They meet it each is. other online. They stay in their same like groups. They go hunting. They find armor and stuff. But it's like you have the free game Dauntless that is almost the exact same thing on a dumbed down version of it. I, I mean, I don't know. Like I want to enjoy the game. The graphics looks look cool, but I feel it's too simple and very grindy. It's extremely so, grindy. Yeah. It's that's the whole point. It, it's to me the way I see it, it is an MMO Dark Souls. Because all you're doing is grinding for materials. Yeah, so Dauntless, I don't know if you guys know about that game. It came from a studio that took a lot of like it's got a lot of Fortnite uh, feel to it with um, some like League of Legends typey feel to it, and I th- both both I think most of the places come from both sides. So like it's got Final Fantasy and League of Legends like kind of tied into it, but it's very similar to Monster Hunter where you, you log in, you find your group, or you 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 know you pick a bounty off the the board, it finds you a group, you go in, you guys kill it, like. And then your armor that you build gives you stats to defend against certain different typings. And then you need to kill those typings to get the materials to build to fight another typing that it's counter to. It's it's the same kind of thing. And it's free. So it's like, why wouldn't I just play that? <laughs> well, you know, the, the game that I actually enjoyed that people like to refer to as Baby's First Monster, Monster Hunter was a game back from the 3DS called uh, Final Fantasy Explorers. That game was a lot more fun to do missions and stuff with people with. I think I had more fun doing that. And you had a be- and, and the themes and things were much more appealing to me. And it didn't. And I, I didn't feel like I was swimming through liquid pudding when I was fighting. I felt everything felt pretty fluid. I'd like a was game that, like that again. Was that pre Crystal Chronicles? Yes. Okay, so Crystal Chronicles screwed up what they were trying to do with that game. <laughs> Essentially, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad I asked somebody before I picked that up because I never played it. And everyone was like, "Oh, I love Crystal Chronicles. You should play it." And then, like, I looked into it and I asked a few people, and they're like, "No, <laughs> don't buy that game." No, the people who like Crystal Chronicles were those few people who were on the, who were committed to the GameCube. Who just wanted a Final Fantasy experience because they wouldn't weren't willing to go on to the PS2 for it. So though th- there's nostalgia for that for those people, not so much for anybody who hadn't played it before. But yeah, as far as uh, like the 3DS titles and the DS titles, I feel like those were pretty decent. So yeah, nice. But yeah, yeah. Monster Hunter is. I have a bunch of I have a streamer or two who play Monster Hunter. Uh, with a group it's interesting to watch but i don't think i would with a lot of those games when you're watching someone else play and you have and you see them and they have huge inventories full of materials you're like i don't think i'd want to jump onto a group with them because i would feel completely and utterly behind where they're at it's really difficult to kind of ladder yourself up into the higher groups because you're just trying to depending on if you you're an early adopter into the into the game or not it, you're struggling to climb up to to reach their level, and by then, they probably have walked away from the game because of boredom or a new game, like the new Monster Hunter coming out. I'm sure all the people who are doing Monster Hunter right now are probably going to wait, move on to that game, and completely forget about this one. So yeah, I'm not that's why I said 
that's why I said if you're going to get into the sale now for the Monster Hunter Worlds, uh, it's at your own risk because the new one already has already been announced. So um, you won't be playing it for very long. You're assuming I'd care enough to do so. I'm not planning on jumping onto the P. I, I, bear, I don't even know if I'm jumping into the next generation at all. If I did, I, like I said on the last podcast, it'd probably be that leasing program with the Xbox Series S. Yeah, I think the uh, I think a lot of these games though that are that are going to be coming out, like Assassin's Creed Valhalla, has a PS4 title attached to it. So yeah. it, they're going to double release, I think, for like the first maybe like I want to say six months. At least I hope it's going to be that way. Because then you then you can get into the games like the new games on the PS4 side without having to rush into the system that's fucking a half thousand, <laughs> a half a grand. Right. <laughs> yeah. I get it. it. It makes sense, but yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's a whatever thing. That's what I'm going to say about that. Now, as far oh, yeah. as <laughs> now, as far as um, Smash Brothers is concerned, well, we talked earlier, where, a little after the announcement of Steve. You had some choice words about it, Jason. What's what's your hang up there? Yeah, fuck that guy. (laughs) No, okay. So it's not like I don't hate that they brought the character, but I legit thought it was just a fucking meme. I thought people were just be like, yeah, you should bring Minecraft Steve in. And then somebody at Nintendo went, hmm, yeah, we should do that. And everyone's like, what the fuck? But then like I watched his, I watched his like move trailer that he did when, um, I forgot his name. Who's the creator? Sakurai. Sakurai, yeah. Sakurai was, Sakurai was doing the move trailer, and I'm like, okay, that's pretty cool. But then it got to, you have to craft his weapons because his weapons break. So when his weapons break, I have to find time to mine the level, to go to the, to go to the fucking crafting table, to craft a weapon that's not going to die, or not going to, like, you know, explode right away. And then, like... In the middle of a match where somebody's gonna be like on top of me. Like, what? <laughs> I don't know. It seems it seems decent now, but I literally thought it was a fucking meme. I thought like there's no way that's gonna happen, and then it fucking happened. Well, if, if, if they're if they're making memes happen, Waluigi still has hope yet. Well, where's my fucking Goku? Everyone's, <laughs> scre- everyone's screaming for Goku. Where's my fucking Goku? Dude, there's more than enough Goku in the in DBZ Fighter. No, I'm so goddamn tired of their inability to pick any other character than fucking Goku to make oh a goddamn God. character out of. If the, if the, if oh, I believe the next DLC for Dragon Ball Fighter Z will be Goku Super Saiyan Four. Bring the GT into this shite. They have they have the GT. They have got the baby Goku from GT. No, but he's just. Regular baby Goku that can turn only as far as Super Saiyan three. He doesn't go Super Saiyan four. So no, he they could, no. He he goes four in one of his ultimates and in one of his super moves. He goes to he turns the four. Okay, I don't think that one move would justify being a fully fledged character. No, but still, it's like they have the last one. They actually started to do some good. You got um, uh, Master Roshi. Well, yeah, Master Roshi's the newest one. Master Roshi's looks fun as hell, and I haven't bought into that one yet. But they have, they've released Jiren. They've released, um, I think, Cleffa is coming out. Uh, they've done the movie um, movie version of Broly, which is 
play is completely different from the other version of Broly that's in the game. Well, honestly, so all the Gokus do play different too, though. But yeah, I know what you're saying. That actually pisses me off too. Is that like if I'm paying for D- like Ultra Instinct Goku, why couldn't you just have made that like something that he can transform into in the middle of the match? <laughs> but I get it. It's a fighting game. It has to. Ha- it has to be its own thing. Yeah, but it's a fighting game, a Dragon Ball Z game at that, that has an interesting and unique setup. Everybody is at a level playing field this time, so they could have just picked a a completely unexpected character. In my opinion, for example, I spoke with Drew about this months ago. Like, we could have had King Kai taught Goku the KO Ken and the Spirit Bomb. What is he capable of? Especially when he fucking had all his power sealing Bojack in his planet. Well, you have... Okay, so you have all the other characters. You've got Pan, you've got um, Yamcha, you've got Tien. Chaozu's part of Tien, <laughs> so I guess that counts. Um, you've got Team Gohan. Yeah, 17, yeah, 17, 18, and 19, right? No, 19's not in. 19, no, who is it? 16, right? Yes. And, yeah, 16. I Hold on, I pulled up the character list. Yeah, 16, 18, 21, 17's in there now. You've got Beerus, Captain Ginyu, Cell, Frieza, Gohan, Adult Gohan, Super Saiyan Goku, uh, Goku Blue, Black, Gotenks, Hit, Kid Buu, Krillin, you got Fat Buu, Nappa, Piccolo, Tien, Trunks, Super Saiyan Vegeta, Blue Vegeta, Yamcha, 17, Bardock, Broly, Cooler, base Goku, just regular Goku who had to be part of the fire pass because, you know, we didn't have 7,000 Gokus already in the list. Regular Vegeta, Vegito, Zamasu, uh, Broly, Gogeta, Blue Gogeta, I should say, Goku, GT, uh, Janemba, Jiren, Videl. Oh, so Pan's not in this. I thought Videl, I got Videl confused for Pan. Ultrasync, Goku, Cleffa, and Master Roshi, and then there's still two more in this third fighter pass that haven't been announced. So yeah, there's what? One, two, three, four, five, six Gokus, (laughs) and one, two, three, four, four Vegetas. Smash Oh, Piccolo. I skipped over Piccolo. How the fuck did I do that? Piccolo's in there, too. Oh, wow. Way to, way to ignore the green guy. I know, right? I actually like Piccolo. He's on my team. <laughs> nice. I just oh, want shit. DLC that allows me to switch out their voices to the ocean dub. That's what I want. The ocean That's dub. if they fucking do the ocean dub. If they so, even... If you buy the fighter pass, you get the um they have voice like at, like adjustments that you can do for the characters. And I think it's just the Japanese to English or the English to Japanese. Yeah, yeah. But it's either the original Japanese sub voice actors or the Funimation ones. There's no ocean dub or or uh Wait, no. Ocean's the only one, the only other one right now. Uh, yeah. It won Best Fighting Game 2017 2018. 
and 2017-2018-2019-1 game franchise fighting. Oh, for the National Academy of Video Game Trade Reviews. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Uh, game Critics Awards, it won the best fighting game. And the Game Awards, it won the best fighting game. And the Gamer's Choice Awards. What the fuck? How did it... Hold on. <laughs> how did the Gamer's Choice Awards... How did Smash not win that year? <laughs> because, remember, Smash has really, really crappy uh, net code. Yeah, that'll probably dock a few points. There's also the lingering belief that Smash is not a fighting game, but a party game. Yeah, I guess. I wonder. Roshi was a good ad. I gotta say, Master Roshi is a shit ton of fun to watch. <laughs> I might actually add him, because I use Kid Boo as like my starter. I might add Roshi, depending on how it works. I don't know. I, eh, I don't know. <laughs> I use Gotenks for the what's it called? For the assist. Because he's probably got one of the best assists in the game. <laughs> Man, I just need to get I need to get back to playing that game. That was so much fun. <laughs> so much fun. <sighs> oh, so and- um we added let's talk about some updates on our side. We have updated the logos across the all the platforms. And I added the merch store where you can buy a sticker. <laughs> so if you want to support us, go buy a sticker. <laughs> and I've been adding stuff to the um, uh, Facebook page. Speaking of upcoming stuff, Warhammer 40K just released their FAQs that updated all of the, the codex. Well, a lot of the codexes out there. Um, like Blood Angels has a 30-page FAQ that dropped. Uh, to update everything with the new releases of the codexes that just came out. The two new codexes that came out were the Necrons and Space Marines. And then I think the next one that's coming is Death Guard. Nice. So, yeah, they're updating a lot. Well, that's good. That was going to be my solo show idea if we didn't go through this tonight. I was going to just go through some FAQs (laughs) talk talk to myself about 40K. I, nothing, nothing stopping you from doing that later if you want to. I, I'm not going to stop you. I'll no, listen. It'll be entertaining. Yeah, no, well, I probably will. Privately and make it like a Patreon exclusive or something. If you were, oh, we don't even have a Patreon. Don't even. We're not even going to go down that road. Let's let's build our audience here for a second. <laughs> <laughs> we we have 15 likes on the Facebook page, but we, for some reason our our podcast gets like hundreds of views. So I'm whatever. not going to argue. That's results. No, it is. 100% it is. Absolutely. Um, some people actually give a shit about what we have to say. As opposed to... Uh, as opposed to Perp, who will now not do the podcast because he can't be naked. <laughs> um, did I miss something? Because as far as I knew, he was going to do it. Oh, okay. Well, I thought he was going to be... I thought he was going to be naked, and then you were trying to get him to be naked, and then he was... Giving you shit on his live stream about being naked. <laughs> he was giving me shit on it because I told him that if he, you know, it was voice only. So if he want, so uh, clothing was optional. I didn't want him to go out and get the tassels <laughs> on and start spinning for us. <laughs> It'd make good radio. We turned it. We would turn into the Howard Stern show real quick. <laughs> 
Speaking of magic and the giant shit show that's going on right now, just in like the last week, right? There's like news everywhere with Magic the Gathering. Yeah, over the past two weeks has been an absolute fucking crap show. Um, a little, but we'll start with the back for the background because if I don't start, if I don't set the scene, people who are uh, who are regulars are not going to have any idea what the fuck is going on. So uh, a long time thing that has been going on. I want to say since. 20 beginning middle 2019 um wizards has been doing what they refer to as a secret layer set now this is a set usually of premium cards premium being foiled not always usually a set of four or five cards sometimes they throw in an extra card it's not always not going to say that they're not going to nail down the fact that they are and it's usually been premium reprints of cards that were already already in circulation so like they did a secret layer that had uh, bitter blossom and three fairy tokens to go with it and they had a bunch of stuff like they had a uh, they had a, dry, a secret layer that had serum visions but it was four different art printings of it this is the th- most expensive secret layer right now <clears throat> Um, uh, at the at the moment, wise. yes. Well, no, at there's the another moment, one. Yes. There's there was an International Women's Day back in. Holy shit! Wait, what? Whoa, they've released a lot just this year. It seems like every month they've released one. Dude, sometimes they had two per month. Um, it seems like they released all of the Theros ones. One, two, three, four, five, six Theros. Oh. Five Theros ones all in February. I didn't realize yeah. this. Wow, this is actually this. So this has been going on since 2019. It looks like. Yes. Now okay. the, 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 there there have been so since February they've had logistical issues with all of their card stuff, not just Secret Lair. But I know personally that there were people who ordered the Stargazing uh, Theros sets for Secret Lair back in February and ordered the full six of them and hadn't received them until August. Jesus. That's how kind of bad the logistics were. Now, I got mine like within a week or two of them uh, completing the secret layer drop. I only bought one of them because I wanted some of the some of the the, the god care god cards that I didn't have. But this is something they've just been doing on and off. Like I said, sometimes per month they do one or two. It just depends on how big of this, how big of a window they give people to order it because they give you. Sometimes they'll give you a day or two to order for a secret layer. Sometimes they give you an entire week to order. Now, the most recent one that they did, they partnered up with AMC, and they made a Walking Dead secret layer drop. Now That's the current, problem- It's currently up for pre-order right now. So if you're listening to this, like, within a couple of days of it dropping, it's still up for pre-order right now. Yeah, I believe Monday's the last day that, they're, that it's happening. Because it started, so, it's literally it's literally a full week. It started on Monday and it'll end on Monday. All right, so you've got two days from us recording. So you have literally a day if you catch this right at release. It'll be October twelfth where it ends then. And then it's forty nine ninety nine for that. I don't remember. If, I don't think shipping and handling is included. Um, so you got to pay that. Um, okay, and they're not right. doing. And I don't. And I don't believe they're doing an international uh, uh, release for it. It's only in uh, U.S. and Canada, if I recall. Really? 
yeah, that was one of the major headaches too, was that there were some places that weren't getting access to it even further. But anyway, getting back to the main topic. So these were going to be, and they finally, all of them are all spoiled. Go ahead. All, so all of them are uh, unique cards. Now, each one of them is unique. There are, I believe there's five characters from The Walking Dead. I've never actually watched The Walking Dead other than the memes that, that came from it. Um, so the, 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 something that had actually uh, occurred way back when was... Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. Um, oh. Something that occurred way back when, back in the early 2000s, I want to say 2005 or 2006, is uh, one of the head developers, uh, the person everyone knows as Mark Rosewater, had made a uh, post on, uh, I don't know if it was on his blog or if it was uh, on the main website, that uh, the, the company was going forward was never going to make any cards that were you that had unique mechanics inaccessible to the entirety of the mtg community now this the, what had happened previously is they had actually had promos that they had released for a couple of conventions like there was uh Nathalny dragon back from dragon con and there was a, a i believe it was giant badger which they made available at, a, at another convention or with a uh, with a, a book and there was a massive backlash for that. And this was back in the nineties when there wasn't the internet was, wasn't there to reach out and strike him like an angry metallic dragon. <laughs> <laughs> Fun stuff. Um, but they ended up vowing that they were never going to make unique, like uniquely mechanic cards for MTG and make it so that no one, that people didn't have access to them. Well, this secret layer is going to be legal in all the legacy formats so or eternal formats so legacy vintage and commander and canadian highlander if that matters to anybody but here we are i'm not going to judge everyone everyone has their favorite you can't even just phase it out it's it's here to stay no matter what formats it's in essentially so continuing on there, there was a massive backlash, obviously, when this was announced. These were only going to be available in the secret layer drop for the week, and if you didn't buy it, you weren't likely ever going to get it. Allegedly. You know, enough outcry, anything happens. But as it stands currently, they're only ever going to release this now, and it's not even going to be shipping until February next year. January 4th to February 15th. It looks like they're shipping all countries. Um... Europe, United Kingdom, and the United States. I was hearing from uh, sources that there were some areas that weren't getting access to it. Mm, maybe some weird areas, but it looks like uh, Argentina, Australia, Canada, Chile, China, Colombia, Costa Rica, Hong Kong, Japan, Macau, but I don't even know how to say that. Mexico, New Zealand, Peru, Singapore, South Korea, Taiwan, United States, and Vietnam in the U.S. dollar. Well, then, okay, well, good. Well, I'm glad that they actually either rectified that or maybe some outcry actually made them do it. I don't know. I'm yeah. not going to worry about it. Oh, this is only good until 11 p.m. or 11 a.m. on that Monday. On not shocking. October 12th, 11 a.m. So the, the, here's, here's, the, here's the major issue that, again, reared its ugly head in the, one of the things that was supposed to be rectified back in 2005, 2006. They, didn't, they weren't supposed to be doing this at all. 
doing the secret layers is a painful enough experience for a lot of places, especially LGSs, who make a lot of money off of singles and using that as a, as a, as a uh, supplemental income for a lot of what they're trying to do. People aren't if people don't have to go to an LGS to buy cards, why would they? Why would they ever go to an LGS for anything? A lot of the things that uh, Watsi has been doing has been very anti anti local gaming store. They want to say that they're doing a lot for the for the local gaming stores, but they're uh, the, with the, with their COVID response and everything else. I, I get it. There, there are everyone's having issues with uh, with supplies <laughs> and stuff. I understand that, but the LGSs are one of those areas that ends up getting fucked over even harder. They took away the uh, direct order, didn't they? Or you no, you can only, still you can only direct order. I forgot what it was. They took something away from the LGSs where they could only buy from um, wizards themselves. Like I don't think they go through distribution anymore. So it's uh, it, it was you're, you're correct. It, they had a direct buy line that you could go through if you had a WPN uh, uh, membership. Uh, and they discontinued this. I don't remember what their reasoning was. I think they said they didn't want it to f- want people to feel like uh, th- that uh, Wizards was was playing favorites or whatever the case. I mean, I don't I don't know. There was some cock and bull story. The reason that a lot of people were using the direct buy feature was if they were short on a product and they needed like a box or two to complete a complete a sale a sale or something. That was the easiest way for them to go and do that without going to the supplier and buying yet another case of something that they have to sit on. So the direct buy allowed them to go, I just want two boxes of this. I don't want to pay Southern Hobbies an extra $250 for a case of it that I'm never going to sell off. I just need it for one customer. But they ended up getting rid of that and they made it so that people, that LGSs have to go and do everything through the distributors. In addition to that, since uh, 2018, 2017, they basically gave Amazon carte blanche to sell a lot of the product that they had. Not that people weren't doing it already, because you could have a uh, an Amazon uh, storefront and sell boxes and stuff, but they actually have a Watsy dedicated storefront on Amazon that sells booster boxes and other paraphernalia. So, what was the what? What did they throw up on eBay? It was one of the master sets, wasn't it? No, they did it. They did a. Um, it wasn't a master set. I believe it was. Um, oh shit! I want to say release. it was. It was an SDCC drop. One of the San Diego Comic Con uh, special edition sets that they do. I think they did that as like a burst sale thing on eBay, and it absolutely bombed their site. It was. Well, it didn't, a, it it didn't was even just do travesty. that. It bombed the site, and then they had to refund like half the orders. Yes, because people were going and they were buying, they would get through, they would get to their cart and they would get to the uh, the checkout and then it would tell them, it would tell them that they got it, but they didn't have the actual quantity to back it up. Yeah. It was, it was, it was a complete shit show. Now, 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 I don't have a problem with wizards going and doing dumb shit like that. That's their prerogative. But what ends up happening is you have a bunch of people who do that kind of stuff. And what happens when you have a bunch of people who are running bots who buy, basically buy out an entire quantity that's available, and then no one gets access to it except for the scalpers. It's even worse. Yeah, especially when the, the a game like Magic, where it's heavily involved in the secondary market, 
we're not talking like video games here. We're talking like there's a full blown secondary market for magic. So, you know, people are going to, people are literally going to miss out on shit now. Like they're going to. Oh, hands down. I have absolutely all the faith in the world that people are going to get screwed out on this. But what ends up happening now is there was an opportunity that, so a little background on Commander. It wasn't called Commander all the time. It was originally called Elder Dragon Highlander. And it was created by a group of judges who wanted to create a vibrant, fun format that they could play that didn't have all the weirdness of a lot of the other formats of that time. Originally, you could only play with the Elder Dragon Legend cards that had come out. Honestly, obviously, that's why that's called Elder Dragon Highlander. And a lot of people in- integrated that and ended up playing other legendary creatures. And the way you build your decks is, is you use the color the color uh, identity of that legendary creature to create a deck and a theme around. Now, the uh, there there actually did arise a community driven rules committee that that people were people relied on for ban lists and. I and uh, rulings on things because these were all judges or well-known MTG uh, talking heads who were on the committee, and they were they were beseeched by the community when this when the Walking Dead set came out to basically preemptively ban the set in in EDH or Commander as it were, so that wizards could understand that they can't just make unique cards that are going to affect the meta that only a select group of people are going to have access to, a.k.a. anybody who bought into Secret Lair. Right. And and, and this way, it, they could just... Th- this is the way that they can actually vote with their wallets, so to speak, because people aren't going to buy it if people know that it's not going to be legal in EDH. Now... Yeah, but they, they marketed were... it... They marketed it that way. If you look at the Secret Lair's website, they marketed it as... This is this is great for commander. You can't use them in standard, but they're great for commander. And then they made it. Then you were they made it allowed to use in legacy formats. Yep. And one of the major things was is that like for an entire week, there were MTG. There were YouTube creators who were MTG backers who had basically gone and either taught, said to wizards or said to the committee, "Look, you need to make a statement about this." And obviously, Wizards was just going to go through with it no matter what. It was a deal they struck with AMC. They're going to get theirs at the end of it no matter what. The committee ended up, by the end of the week, just before the secret layer drop. Literally, I believe it was the Thursday before it start, Thursday or Friday before it started. They made their statement. And it was absolutely what everyone, everyone wasn't expecting to do. They basically said they, were, they weren't going to ban it. It wasn't their place to step on Wizards' toes that they were trying to sell stuff. The, they used the most basic, unoffensive language to say, yeah, we're not going to go and step on toes and have them reflexively crush us because they've been secretly seeding themselves into our community and making sure that they had complete creative control over it. And we're really just a bunch of talking figureheads that don't really have any say in this. And we really can't do anything anyways. And I don't know why anybody's really listening to us. That's literally what it played out like for a lot of people. And there, were people, like, there were people like Mitch from the Commander's Quarters who absolutely lost his shit. I've never seen a man who is so calm and collected actually just go and say, you know what? If you aren't going to do this, do anything about it, screw it. I don't care if Wizards gives me another another pre-release card or anything. I'm done with this with this headache. 
A lot of flared tensions, to say the least. Didn't they? I thought they completely dissolved the um, the commander group, like the um, the rules the committee. Rules. No, yeah, no, that they they have a very healthy relationship with wizards that they don't want to ruin at this point because it's not their place as consumers to tell a business what to do with the, with their property and IP, even though that's exactly the fucking point of being a, a goddamn customer to tell them to go foist themselves when they go and do something that's predatory and ignorant yeah i mean <laughs> you said predatory and then you describe the commander uh rules people as judges and <laughs> the irony behind that is hilarious <laughs> i'm glad you enjoy it because honestly for me this is one of the there is not a person alive that I've t that I've looked into across YouTube who doesn't find this to be an absolute fucking cash grab. Not to say that this that Wizards oh. hasn't been doing cash grabs for the past fucking two and a half years with all of their pushed bullshit. It's basically been up to the community to digest these giant chunks of fucking dumb bullshit. Bad well, choices. Overpowered cards. Just over the week, um, Glenn, one of the cards being released in it, um, apparently you can get them on arena right now has been sweeping legacy tournaments it wasn't glenn it was um uh rick the rick? white one the white one because he's a uh it's, he's a human tribal uh lord he gives plus two, two to all human creatures and he also get to choose from like three different or four different keyword abilities that all all of the uh, human creatures will come out with while he's on the battlefield he was sweeping a legacy tournament. He was five and oh in several legacy tournaments on arena, uh, not an arena, um, uh, MTGO, okay. and it was absolutely fucking ridiculous. I can't I honestly at this point. If you're playing in any of those formats and you see that shit, I, I I can't I can't imagine you'd be happy to see it, especially if you didn't get access to those cards. They've created um, a system of haves and have-nots in a, in a game that they shouldn't actually be able to do that in. That they said they weren't ever going to do that with. So as far as I'm concerned, they've not they, they've basically told, with their actions, have told the community, you know what? Proxy whatever you want. Because uh, if, if people can't get access to this card because they don't have the money for it or don't want to su succumb to FOMO, fear of missing out, Go ahead and just make proxies of them, because you know we're, we we can't really stop you because command commanders are casual format and people are going to play whatever the fuck they want. This is for me. This is a ringing endorsement of proxying if I ever fucking heard it. Because I'm not going to spend money on that bullshit. I'll find somebody who I'll I'll find a goddamn uh, Etsy person, give them the goddamn uh, images for it, and have them make me them and spend pennies in the fucking dollar for something that I don't even give a shit about anyways. They're just cards. And you've created a situation where now they have a secondary intrinsic value so uproariously high that no one can do anything about it. So fuck it. I don't care. Proxy. Proxy all the way, as far as I'm concerned. Drew, isn't Wizards of the Coast owned by Hasbro? You are yeah. correct, sir. Yep. Hasbro's, uh, Hasbro's new um, market, or not marketing, new, I think new CEO has basically said that um, the Wizards portion of it has to double their income in the next five years or so. So, <laughs> and that, that's, between, that's between Magic 
and D and D because they own both both rights to everything. So yeah, yeah. Good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> you have a you basically have a situation where you have a pre built community who have been with you for God knows how long that you've been constantly shitting on by either producing overbroken garbage for the standard format or just ludicrous landfill gar landfill bullshit that no one even gives a fuck about and you expect people to to think that you have the good graces in their in in their good nature in mind fuck you it's funny because standards being overrun by omnath right now standards being overrun by omnath and lotus cobra both of which i have yet to open yeah. in a box which i find that to be absolutely fucking baffling i have two lotus cobras <laughs> I have one Omnath and no Lotus Cobras, so figure that one out. I have two. I have a foil Lotus Cobra and a regular Lotus Cobra, you know. I just but, want a Lotus Cobra. I don't care if it's foil. Yeah, I, uh, dude, I, uh, I had the most ridiculous box I think I've ever bought. <laughs> just was like what I got from it. It was pretty cool. Ugh. Well, so. I can't really complain because my out of my out of my three boxes, I pull my toppers were a Scalding Tarn. Uh, a uh, arid mesa and a fucking wasteland, all of which are above thirty dollars, and fucking scalding tarn is almost eighty. So that was my box. I just uh, that I just got back. Not to mention a yeah. bunch of the other stuff that I got in there. Like I I made my box back and some and some profit basically. I'm not gonna argue about it, but at the same time, for every good thing they do, they shoot the entire community in the fucking foot. Omnath is ridiculous. I don't go on. I don't go on Arena anyways because that's because it's. I don't. I haven't really tested it on my computer yet, and I really don't give a shit because I don't play. Uh, I don't play computer magic. I am predominantly an IRL magic player. So yeah, like I leave that to the experts who go and tell me on YouTube. It's just like I can't go on standard anymore because I'm literally sitting here watching someone go off with a goddamn scoot swarm and Omnath. And I'm just twiddling my thumbs until they kill me. I have a scoot squirm too. Hey, mate, maybe I got myself a now. <laughs> no, I started so since the last podcast, I fucking started playing arena um, like an asshole, and um, I don't think I'm ever going to dump money into it. But it's definitely fun to play Magic again, it, it, at least from like um, just being able to play something. Because, you know, like, with the current situation and stuff, we can't go anywhere. And it's just, I mean, I haven't even played really against anybody except for the few times where it told me I had to do PvP for, like, the mission. But, I don't know, it's still fun. You can craft cards, like, if you have extras. It's, I don't know, I kind of like the system. I do. And it stops cheaters. Because <laughs> it's all digital. <laughs> Well, no, I get that. And, and if you play unranked in a lot of cases, you're going to get a lot more mileage out of it. But that's when you when you have people who want to do pre-releases and drafting and cube and stuff like that, I, I don't think they enjoy it nearly as much. Plus, the historic format from that, from what I hear is pretty janked up, too. And Brawl is kind of a I, I believe Omnath is top, is top on that one as well. It's it's just kind of a shit show. So I, I don't I, I'm not going to I'm not going to invest my time in that kind of shit. And at the end of the day, I I, I agree with uh, per, with uh, MTG Purple, the Magic Historian, on this, and a lot of other people said the same thing. What the what the rules committee should have done if they had the integrity that they should have had, they should have fell on their sword 
and made wizards seize complete control over commander. Because here's what happens. Wizards is now solely responsible for what happens to the format. Tournaments, band decisions, creative control over products, everything completely falls under wizards' lap, as if it didn't before. But the rules committee was kind of their, you know, was kind of the vestigial side side group that people had a lot of faith in because again, the the format was a community driven format that actually took off. Because I don't know, yeah. I don't play two, I don't play two headed two headed giant very often, and I barely play uh, Canadian Highlander. But Commander's I don't know what Canadian been, Highlander I, is Canadian Tonight. Highlander is a singleton format where there is a point based system that allows you to play janky ass cards. Basically, think of a way, think of how you craft an army in Warhammer. You only have a certain amount of points that you could field. It's the same concept, but with cards, which means you can play stuff like Black Lotus or the Mox, the Moxin, uh, Power Nine cards. But they all have point value, so you can only have so many of them in the deck. Oh, two at a giant was fun. I think they still do two at a giant at the, some of the major tournaments, actually. Well, they had an entire set based on two headed giant, anyways. They're called Battle Bond. All it really oh, yeah. ended up doing was all it really ended up doing was driving people to play more commander because a lot of the shit that they had there were really awesome commanders and a lot of commander staples that people were looking for. Plus, they released a new um, type of land that worked if you had more than one, uh, more than two, more than two opponents or two or more opponents on the field. So you had commander lands that had come out with that, and there and the new commander legend set is going to is going to put out the last five in that series. You know what That's game I miss? You know, you know what game I really miss? I really miss Vampire the Masquerade, or Jihad, as it was when it first came out. There is actually, there's still a fandom for that, and I believe they still do. Uh, they still make cards for it. The fandom does, kind of like uh, Star Wars. Star Wars, uh, the Decipher Star Wars game. The fans actually created a bunch of Star Wars cards to go along with the new movies. The prequels that never got any expansion sets. Fantasy Flight. Cool. I think Fantasy Flight took over the card game, actually. Yeah, but they made it an LCG, and it wasn't the same from what I heard. Oh, I heard it. I, th- I thought it was similar. Fantasy Flight actually does some good shit with getting stuff back. But Vampire, Vampire um, the Masquerade was seriously a fun game. So much fun. And then um, you could build a deck to go in any direction you wanted to. It was just insane. And then what was the other one? Um, shit, I can't remember it. <laughs> Doesn't oh. really help, man. Fantasy Flight. Oh, uh, Lord, um, Legend of the Five Rings, L5R. Fantasy Flight took over that one, turned that into a living card, too. And I think that one just fell off, too. I think people um, still play it, but the but the the groups aren't nearly as big. It's kind of like Netrunner. Netrunner's kind of uh, background noise. Yeah, it's called Android now, right? Android Netrunner. I yeah. guess I, I haven't the, played. Since, I haven't played in a long time, so. They have Marvel. Oh, they do the Champions card game. Fantasy Flight is the Champions card game. I didn't realize that. Yeah, and they brought and they did Lord of the Rings. Jesus, how many fucking. They dropped 40k, but gained, but gained a whole bunch of other shit. Keyforge is still there. You don't hear anything about yep. them anymore, really. Um, their their uh their niche 
but they still make expansions for it, and they have new houses and everything, too. The game's still going. There's clearly a market for it because my LGS still sells Keyforge, and they're on, like, their third, their third or fourth expansion now. So something's – there's still somewhere some people who are holding on to it. I just love to play in real life, but we're kind of at that point where we can't. Yeah. But, yeah, I, this is – this is just a fucking test grab from from them, and it's gotten to the point where they've 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 been testing the waters with this kind of shit. With a lot of the the standard sets have been coming out with increasingly weirder buy a box promos that are you can only get basically as a buy a box promo. Which I get the I get the nece- I get the necessity to do it that way because you want to sell boxes. You make a relatively good uh, box top or uh, buy a box promo that people want to get. That's mm-hmm. fine whatever's clever but when they 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 fucked up about a year or two i think it's two years ago when they uh released a core set and the spy box promo was uh nexus of fate which was a six or seven cost uh extra turn card that when you cast it it would shuffle itself back into your library what yep And it's only in foil, and you can only get it as a buy a box promo. So the price jumped through the fucking roof and turned the arena meta into a goddamn nightmare. Yeah, I can see why. Jesus fucking Christ! Yeah, yeah th- uh, th- th- this was this has been this has been years in the making. I'm not happy about it. I think the rules committee. They, they they basically prostrated themselves before Wizards and says, please don't destroy us. We enjoy the fact that we can allegedly get insider information from you when bans happen and stuff like that. I, I don't know. They're, they're, there's I, a, supposedly there's a ban coming tomorrow. Or not tomorrow, Monday. They have no choice. The meta is ridiculous. And if you look at the statistics, <sighs> Omnath is, the top, is, is basically the top two decks right now. But what are you going to do? You're going to ban Omnath, or are you going to ban Lotus Cobras? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Like you can't just already ban Omnath. <laughs> both, ban them both. You never know, this man. Is, you never that know. Means, that means I, I mean, need to start selling at, my Lotus if Cobras. The, if you look at the Yu-Gi-Oh ban list, you would find that even some of the most powerful cards will eventually come back on to the, into circulation. Speaking this of, month, have, this have year's. You, Go ahead. They brought Harpy's Feather Duster back into legal play. It's limited to one, but that's a really powerful fucking card to come back into play. Yeah, but have you looked at the the new the meta at Yu-Gi-Oh right now? It's all the same thing. Yeah. It's all about card control. No, like no, I'm talking about like the top decks like right now. It's how fast everyone can get, like, I forgot who it was. Uh, was it that one that we were talking about last time that you were like, don't worry, that, like, the new set's coming out to deal with it? Yeah. Standards, dark, yeah. The, the, the Magician of, of Black Dragoon or something like that? Something like that. Some, like, everyone's complaining about it right now. Anybody that plays Yu-Gi-Oh! right now is complaining about it. Yeah. I don't know. I, like, I feel like if you're in the middle of a rotation... You might as well just start playing casual until, like, or at least the beginning of a rotation. If you're getting into the beginning of a rotation, might as well play casual until, like, shit works itself out. Because otherwise, you're going to be playing the same thing everybody else is playing. I don't know. It, speaking of, like, online stuff, how do you guys feel about the, a lot of the board games and shit going digital? 
good for them. Get, a, get an expanded market while we're dealing with COVID bullshit. Besides, a lot of uh, board game sales, physical, have probably been skyrocketing of late because people have nothing to bet, nothing better to do. Yeah, it just it feels weird because it's like Gloomhaven, that hundred dollar game that came with miniatures and stuff, or not miniatures, the cards and stuff. You could play that online. People are finding ways to play shit like online now. I don't well, know how I feel about that. Well, people are playing paper EDH online. You just get a webcam and set it up above your uh, your, your gaming space. No, I'm talking about actual. No, I'm talking about the companies actually creating like a digital format for it. Like you can play Ticket to Ride. You can play like board game companies are going into the digital market to sell their games digitally as well as physical. That's nothing new. If I recall, um, there were a couple no, but... of uh, those deck builder, those deck building uh, games like Dominion and stuff. Those all went digital a while ago. So that, yeah, that's, all the, that's part for the course. It's getting bigger now. Like you can play Ticket to Ride on a digital format. Is it, is it, an, is it a, a smartphone or only uh, like specific platforms? What are we looking at here? No, like smart, smartphone apps, tablets. Um, I'm sure you can play them on the computer. I'm sure they have browser-based shit, too. I just, I don't know. Like, I think, I don't know how, like, the whole point of, like, the board game industry was to play in person. But I, I get it, like, right now, why it's so big. But I feel like if you push towards a digital thing, you're just going to kill, you're going to kill the game to try to push digital games and end up doing shit like you know pay 5.99 to remove your ads <laughs> or go to a well, loot okay. system or a battle pass or you know i i fucking it, to me it, moving into a digital format is the full-blown cash grab yes and no if you're a company and you make board games and you're looking at a situation where either you can't get the supplies necessary to keep making the board games that you that you're making or you just realize that there's just not a market anymore for it, you're going to go and try and find a way to adapt to it. You may still have your player base for people who actually want to buy board games, but keep in mind, a lot of board games are you grab it once and you're done. Very rarely mm -hmm. do you have situations where people are going and buying a board game and then it's associated expansions unless it's something that does that, like Hero Realms. Which is a which is a, a another car, uh, deck builder game that has a bunch of expansions, which runs kind of like a it it basically is like a fantasy role playing card game with bosses and stuff, kind of like that. Unless you have something like that, people are just gonna buy one board game, maybe two board games every couple months. I mean, I'd be lucky, I still I'd be lucky have... if I buy one board game a fucking year, Jay. I, I don't, I don't go out of my way. How about you, Orlando? How often do you play board games? Ha! <laughs> Lando's here for the video game talk. Come on now. <laughs> exactly. Orlando is specifically a video game and card gamer, so that's it. Doesn't really fucking affect him. And if and if he could play online with other people with a board game that he wouldn't normally play it gives him an it gives him an opportunity to get into that window as a company you want to reach as many people as possible maximum saturation and all that business jargon so if i mean you if you're a if you're a company and they're going 
well, we can't get the board games to the people because our distributors are telling us we don't have the resources to be able to put out our shit. Okay, how is how is our tech department doing? We can probably have this board game with its associated expansions out by the end of the year, and people will likely be playing them, and we can sell it for a relatively relatively practical cost. Awesome, See, do that. I'm maybe maybe I'm I'm more into the board games like the physical stuff because of miniatures. Um, but I really think like, cause I still play, like I still have my ticket to ride. I still play that, you know, cards against humanity. They went to a digital format too. I still play cards against humanity in person. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, what else do I have? Like, I've got like Miskatonic. I've got like, I've got a whole board game library that like, yeah, I go through and I play that stuff. Like if people come over and I'm like, Hey, let's play a board game. I'm pulling out a board game. I'm not going to pull out like, <laughs> Dude, remember Hero Quest back in the day? Yeah. Dude, they did a Kickstarter for it. They're bringing it back. Yeah, I think the people who did uh, High Grounds, um, the map thing, because you can build the map again. Perfectly fine by me. Like, I saw their uh, renderings of their uh, board, and the, the fucking sculpts on the minis look great, like eight, 80 times better than they did from the original game. It all looks so fucking cool. I know. Update it. See, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think people, I don't know, maybe, maybe people are relying too much on the miniature focused part of it. But like, I enjoy getting a board game out and playing with people. I, I, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> having, dude, I, having... I, I, I dig it, man. I, I'm totally with you on that one. The problem ends up being for a lot of people is that they, busy busy, having a busy schedule it makes people just go it's much easier for me to just flip my phone and i have my and i have my friends list of people that i know and i just play a board game with them then kick on discord's uh voice chat and just talk with them that way especially with a lot of those board games it doesn't really require you to do much role playing it's so much easier at that point to do that kind of stuff now for me for D and that kind of thing i i can't do it i i've been trying desperately to try and do D over discord and skype and stuff like that i'm yeah, just I'm not i i can't immerse myself it's too it's too fucking difficult without any human interaction if yeah, I, I, I mean, that's how like everybody's doing it now everybody's but going to that, that way but it's fucking stupid because in a lot of cases if i can't see your face i don't know what your reaction is to what i do I don't really know what my next act, what my next action is. I need to know. I need human response to be able to role play effectively. Otherwise, all I'm doing is just rolling a dice and taking an action. I could, if I want to do that, I'll just go play a fucking MMO. I'll yeah. go play. I'll, yeah. I'll go play Black Desert Online and get the same fucking effect. <laughs> I don't. Know. I think. I think we should normalize the board game night once COVID ends, <laughs> and we should normalize the. D and D groups, bring them back and get them off the fucking internet. I mean, I get it. Like some people like critical role, people like watching them. And anytime you talk to anybody that does any type of D and D streaming, they all said, Oh, I watched everything for critical role. I'm like, cool. But like everybody that's doing it is basically emulating what they did. So like I can only watch so many like versions of people playing D and D over like a Google Hangout or Skype or whatever, and get like the same effect of like actually playing. I don't know. Yeah, that's pretty shit. Yeah. See, like I, 
I like the mixture of the physical mixed with the digital. So obviously like D and D in person. Perfect. You don't need to have dice, get dice rollers. You don't need to have the books have did have a tablet with the digital books on. Cool. No problem. Like that kind of stuff is awesome. Digital maps, you know, TVs where you can, you show, you know, show the map of where people are. And then the whole, um, roll 20 thing. That's cool. You're, you're using technology to enhance the game, to make it easier for people than to have, to have your miniatures, to have physical maps drawn out, to have to lug their books everywhere they go to, to look up a rule. Like that's cool. Like uh, Warhammer 40,000, same thing. You can buy the physical book, leave it on a shelf, and now they're giving you the code for their app where you can the same with the same thing with D&D Beyond where, well, D&D Beyond, I don't know if you buy the physical, you get a digital version. I don't think that happens. But uh, GW is actually doing it where you can buy the codex and they give you a digital code to use for the app. So it's like you don't need to carry all of your books everywhere. You can literally... Print your sheet. Obviously, there's ways to do that before, but you can have your rule book digitally. Bring your miniatures and roll your dice. You you could get a dice roller for that too. Like <laughs> you don't even need physical dice for 40k anymore. You just need a ruler and your miniatures. <laughs> yeah, that's streamlining a process. I'm 100 with. But like yeah. I don't know, Orlando, you've been doing a few. Uh, you were doing a few uh, uh, Discord D and D games. How how have you felt about them? It was fun at first, and then it got really boring, really stale, really fast. Really? What, what ended up making it stale for you? Was it because you didn't interact with the people that you were playing with? What, what was the catalyst for you just feeling like completely, div- completely divorced from it? It was a lack of – there was a lack of focus. There was a lack of interaction. I think you become too easily distracted in front of the technology. Oh, 100%. Like, like there's yeah. nothing really compelling me not to just go and twiddle my thumbs while I'm sitting there talking with other people. And especially with a dice roller, I'm, I, I don't have, there's no, there's no incentive for me to like verbally interact with anything. I could just be silent an entire campaign, only really responding when the DM asks me to. And yeah. like by the end of it, I'm just like, what the hell happened to two hours out of my day that I didn't, I, I could have done something else with? Yeah, it, I think you're more inclined to participate when everything's getting like exciting as opposed to like, like right now I'm not staring at my laptop, even though that's how we're recording it. But like, I've got my feet up staring out the window, but yeah, I I mean, I get distracted by shit. Like what is it? Two podcasts ago. Remember when my lights turned on where I was like, what the fuck? Why are my lights on? (laughs) Like, (laughs) Like it's, it makes it a lot harder, a lot harder to stay focused for people. But I, I completely understand why it happens because they want to continue with their hobbies. Man, that sucks. I, I don't even want to try fucking D&D over the, <laughs> over the internet right now. I, don't, I have no interest in it. And that's it's like that. There is, a, there is a huge detachment from, play, from playing online rather than um, playing it in front of people. Yeah, for sure. And I think that I think that that's where it needs to be addressed. If uh, online D and D is going to be a a thing, I get it. 
the people who watch it or who play it on on Twitch and stuff, the, in a lot of cases, they probably are doing the same thing, and they have a rapport with the people that they're that, that they're working with. They know so, all their ins and outs and all of that, but they can still see each other's face. If I was doing this purely on just voice, I, I I'd be completely completely detached from it, even with having like animated portraits or anything i still don't think i would have nearly as much tactile response to be able to like springboard off of i'm very much i very much uh give me something to work with so i can role play kind of person yeah so i'm gonna say this right now every DD stream that you see every single one of them uh be it venture maidens uh roll 20 um what else is there Dragons and Dames, I think, is another one out there. They're called Actual Play Podcasts. Every single one of them has a person that's tied to Watsi on that staff. Every single one of them. I don't know any big D&D group that is not tied to Watsi, which makes it more of a marketing thing. Like, um, well, well, I've been listening to VentureMans. Like, I really caught up on their campaign. And I've been listening to, to them while I'm at work. But they have, like, a a YouTube channel where they do the thing and whatever, where you can see them and they're playing whatever. But here's, here's the weird thing with it. They have a Patreon that funds that, but Celeste is a, uh, the DM for that. She writes for, uh, Cobalt press and she writes for wizards. She actually wrote some of the stuff that's in the Icewind Dale book. So she's a contracted writer for Watsi. So, Obviously, she has incentive to be playing it to market herself as a writer and market the Watsi products to be making money off of this stuff. So I'm not saying that that's their whole push for everything. But what I am saying is that every single one of them, every big podcast you listen to that's an actual play, every single one of them has somebody that is tied to Watsi. That's an interesting coincidence. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But that I don't but as a, but if you're looking at it from a from a business standpoint, wouldn't you want that to be the case? Especially with especially with a lot of situations where you have uh e-celebs who are backed by wizards to one extent or another or are part of their partner program. Like it's it, it's it's beneficial for the company to expand their brand out and use influencers to do that. Moreover, in the case of D&D, seeding your independent or your contracted writers into those groups whether they were there whether they were playing in the group before they worked for watsi or not it's 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 infinitely beneficial to the company to have them there because there's a line of communication between the group and the company they can give them new source material they can give them heads up on new uh, expansions modules and a bunch of other things like that it's a symbiotic relationship I don't see a problem with it, but I can see why you would have the concern because it just becomes a plug scenario where you're not 100% sure if if the, the gameplay might be genuine in that regard. So here's what I do have a problem with. And I mean, I don't have a problem with it because it's fun to listen to, and I do listen to it, and I do support it. But here's where I have the problem, is that it's giving the impression that people, anybody... Like, say if we started a D&D group and broadcasted it, like started a D&D game and broadcast it to the world, we're at a disadvantage, but they've made it seem like if we keep doing it, we'll be at the top one day. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, like they, it's so weird because it's like they all work with each other. And I get it because they, they're all part of like the same like group kind of thing. It's all about being in the end circle. That's what I'm saying. It's like, it, it's exactly what, that's exactly what I'm saying. You, you, you push people out, but make them think they can get in. As long as they buy the products and try it and, and keep pushing at what they're doing. Well, if what you said was true about the CEO, CEO for Hasbro saying that they need to make their shit more profitable, then you already answered your own question, didn't you? Well, that's from Perp, so you can take that info for all you want. <laughs> but no, but if if we're alleging that they, if we're alleging that this statement is true, right. then that's your answer. Trying to oh. when you when you go in and you go into those communities and you cultivate that kind of mentality, that's how you get people who go and spend hundreds of dollars on well, source books and well, dice and dice rollers and and fucking programs all with the Watsy branding on it because that's how you keep your business running. This is this is this is the conspiracy theory part of it is that like you don't see it unless you're sitting on the outside of that circle. You know what I mean? Like I don't play online D&D and I play D but I'm still skeptical of like I still think in a very skeptical way. So sitting on this side of the table looking at what they're doing it's like this is 100% marketing like yeah you're you may be having fun but what was the point of putting it online okay so then you put it online but then all of a sudden 10 episodes in you already have a patreon and then every every podcast that you've listened to started day 1 with a patreon and and you're marketing cobalt press which you work for and are getting paid for and they're your sponsors on the show all of a sudden, like, come on. <laughs> come on. <Okay. laughs> like, you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it, it may, it sounds very conspiracy theory-like, but like, really, the companies that you write and work for are the sponsors for your show. <laughs> all right, so uh, what is your, what's your thought on this, Orlando? Because this kind of stuff happened in the, in the video game industry a lot, too, with a lot of the streamers. The, with a lot of streamers and a lot of those uh, those fucking uh, e- those uh, uh, video game teams for like League of Legends and stuff like that kind of stuff happens pretty frequently, and I would say night constantly. So, what's your take on it, Lando? Sponsorships is something that people fucking do all the time. It's not exclusive to gaming, like we see. No, but it's. With- I don't have a problem with the sponsorship. What I have a problem with is if. Um, say a say a top streamer. Who we'll take Markiplier. Say Markiplier is working for for Act for Activision, right? So Markiplier is working for Activision on a game, but now Markiplier is sponsored by Activision. So he he'll run sponsored ads or sponsored streams. Saying, "Oh, Activision sponsored this one," when in reality he's collecting a paycheck from that sponsorship. Before he was, it's like he's working for the company, collecting from the sponsor, and then collecting from the people watching him. But as long as he's being forth, as long as he's being forthright on the front side, because YouTube has a great deal of rules in place that if you don't at least either put it in your thumbnail or say it on the front end on a in a very large banner. 
that you are that the content you're creating has been sponsored by somebody, you actually can have litigation brought against you. So that's a bit of a difference. I don't know what the rules are for D and D and having subsidiaries and stuff interspersed in that, but I don't think it really matters because what I think you said that most of those were contracted writers. That's not the same as an actual Watsi employee, is it not? Um, if you're someone who is technically uh, a contracted hire, you're not necessarily an employee for that company. So on the technical level, you legally can't be working for that. You can't le- you aren't legally working for that company, at least directly. Right, but if your contract here, here's where I think where it gets sketchy is if your contract states or how your contract is written out that you get like a portion of profits on a certain, or you get paid per purchase of said material. I think that that becomes a problem because you're gonna market that that product because you get paid for that, but. Now you're also getting paid by Patreon subscriptions, um, people throwing money as tips through, you know, Twitch, YouTube, whatever, and then going out and buying that content that you're saying, like you're doing the marketing. So Watsi's paying you and you're getting paid from an outside source, but you're technically not an employee. It's still a conflict of interest in my opinion. I think I can, I see where you're going with it and I can agree with, I can agree with you with that point. If you're getting supplemental income from Patreon, but you're also getting money, like you're contracted by wizards and you're making money in that, there's a, there's, there's a bit of a back and forth there that is kind of sketchy. So I think I can get where you're saying on that. But my statement at that point is there, I know, as far as I know, most of those people have a, have at least a degree or two of separation from the company to be able to make that statement. Now, I don't know. Again, we're working on a lot of what ifs here in, in, what in ifs, several yeah. cases on how much of a relationship these people have to the to the parent company. They could just be free freelance writers that get occasional checks from them, and the 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 Patreon is the majority of the money they make. There's a lot of speculation that you're that we're we're delving into. If you if I will agree with you though. If they are fully fledged Watsi employees doing these podcasts and streams and still have a Patreon, then I would I would say that there's a little bit more gray area that we're working with here. But you also have to keep in mind a lot of the other people in those groups aren't Wizards employees proper. So they right. legally can have a Patreon and have that person be part of their group. Because well, depending on who actually ends up collecting the money at the end of the month, that's really where you have to ask the question of whether it's duplicitous or There's nothing stopping a video game company or Watsi opening up their own Patreon. There's, there's nothing stopping them. It's not illegal. Is it um, an uh, ethical gray area? Uh, yeah, <laughs> very much so. But at the same time, there's no, it's not saying it's not legal. I, I think there's a very ethical gray line that these people are towing. Oh, 100%. And you won't hear me argue with that, with that thought process. 
my statement to you is without knowing the full fledged circumstances of the situation, it would be uh, by default, there's really nothing, to, there's nothing really the, 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 uh, the area we're talking about, there, there's gotta be a dividing line that we're not aware of. Right. But at the same time, you have companies like, um, Activision Blizzard, who basically same company, but they pull away from everything else. Like every division of like Activision is like a completely separate entity, basically. Sure. And I would say in that regard, there's with that kind of with that level of fracturing, you can do a you can definitely get away with a lot more. Um, underhanded methods of uh capital so i will i'll give it to you on that yeah Hoy. all right what else we got <laughs> i kind of if we wanted to stick to mtg but you sent me you sent us this cool little story thing i thought it was kind of cool um from it's from a guy on instagram called old school mtg and I guess I'll just read you the post and then I'll read you the card. It's it's to me, it's pretty cool. I wish like I wish there was more of like real world applications to the fantasy type games where like, I don't know. I'll, I'll let me I'll read it to you guys and then we can respond on it. So the Arabian Nights expansion set was based heavily upon the real world lore, particularly the book, The Arabian Nights. The card drop of honey comes from a tale of what. Uh, damage a little drop of honey can wreak. There's many translated versions of this tale to be found, but this one I found uh, online is short enough to fit in the IG caption. A certain man used to hunt uh, the wild beast in the <clears throat> used to hunt the wild beast in the desert. One day he came upon a grotto in the mountains where he found a hollow full of bees' honey. So he took somewhat somewhat thereof in a water skin. In a water skin he had with him and throwing it over his shoulder, carried it to the city, followed by the hunting dog, which was dear to him. He stopped, to, he stopped at a shop of an oil man and offered him the honey for sale, and he bought it. Then he emptied it out of the skin um, that he might see it, and the act of drop of a drop fell on the ground, whereupon the fly, flies flocked to it and the birds swooped down upon the flies. Now the oilman had a cat which pounced upon the bird and the huntsman's dog, seeing the cat, sprang upon it and killed it. Whereupon the oilman ran at the dog and killed it, and the huntsman in turn leapt upon the oilman and killed him. Now the oilman uh, was one of the village and the huntsman of another, and when the people of the two places heard of what had passed, they took up arms and rose on one another in anger, and there befell a sore battle. Nor did nor did the sword leave to play amongst them till there died. Wow, what, this is a horrible translation. Till there died of much people, none knoweth their numbers save the God Most High. So in magic, the little drop of honey will start out by taking out a birds of prey, which is then a timber wolves, then a grizzly bear, a war mammoth, darkwood boar, shivan dragon, mole demon, lord uh, lord of the pit, force of nature. Colossus of Sardia, and then all the way up to the mighty Leviathan. Do not bother it. 
do not bother. It's just a drop of honey. It's not our problem, is the quote. And the, it's funny because it's a one green mana or one green for an enchantment. During your upkeep, the creature in play with the lowest power is destroyed and cannot be regenerated. If there is a tie, you choose which to destroy. Drop of honey must be discarded if there are no creatures in play. So it's like it goes along. It like it totally fits the story. It's crazy. I wish like uh, there was some. There's like sets where it follows like I, I guess Theros was the last one. Kind of followed Greek mythology a little bit. Yep. So. I wish more games would do stuff like that. I think that's why I got sucked into God of War. Because <laughs> I like the Norse mythology. Like, I'm about to get sucked into um, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, for sure. Have fun with I'm glad you like that kind of shit. What happened? But yeah, like, it's a life lesson, and that's kind of why I brought it up. Because I'm like, this is actually kind of interesting, because in a lot of cases, the entirety of the Arabian Nights set very much hinged on the uh, on the actual literature that it was that it actually followed, and a lot. And, and I want to give them credit for actually implementing it in a very flavorful way, at least at that point. I wouldn't put it. I, I'm not really worried about what uh, current incarnation of Watsi does. I mean, come on now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wish I wish video games would kind of do the same thing too, though. Well, I mean, the Assassin's Creed have been pretty good about it, right? As far as I know, I, I haven't heard any complaints. Lando, any thoughts? <laughs> I think Assassin's Creed is probably Prince of Persia, maybe. I don't, I didn't, I don't know. I never really played through Prince of Persia. Prince of Persia is okay, but it's a bit on the dull side. Yeah, I, I, th- I wish there were like more historical style games. I guess. But the problem with Prince of Persia is that it plays off of its uh, off its roots and trying to be a cinematic adventure game when so many others are just um, doing the same thing. You're going to have to do a little more to stand out. And unfortunately, Prince of Persia doesn't really do that anymore. Yeah, I think when it originally came out was for the Xbox, the original Xbox, and that version of Prince of Persia. I think that was Sands of Time. I that's think the first that's... one in the. That's the first one of the reboot. Of the Is reboot. Re- because there was a Prince of Persia before that. Oh, are you talking about like the old Nintendo? Yeah, the old school eight bit one. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, so like the, I guess the remake that of it, the that game played really fun, but like I said, like if you go back now, like the mechanics are fucking terrible. Most of the games back then, the mechanics were terrible <laughs> compared to newer games. But that's just evolution of the game. Like Ninja Ninja Gaiden was another one. Was the that came out for Xbox too, the original Xbox. Yep. What was the other? That, what was the? That, what was that the game is a game? sticking point for Orlando, at least that series. Ninja Gaiden. <laughs> I love Ninja Gaiden. The original NES trilogy, great series. The reboot, the reboot series. Um, man, is it brutal. And three, especially so. Razor's Edge is a fucking nightmare. <laughs> Oh man, what was the other game that came out around 
same time. It was like another ninja style game. All you had to do was go around uh, killing people. That was the whole point of the game. You were a ninja, and you had to go to other towns and just kill people. Tenchu? That's it, Tenchu. That one one I heard is a really fun stealth game. Yeah, that one, if you... Oh, man. It taught me how to just walk around people. I originally thought the original um, Metal Gear Solid taught me how to, like, stealth around. No, no. It was Tenchu. By far Tenchu. Yeah, Tenchu, I believe it's called Tenchu Shadow Assassin, I believe was the name of the series. Um, I don't know the full name of it, but it was definitely... Hold on, let me, I'll look it up for us. But yeah, the, the, I love... A lot of people are really, really enamored with those stealth games. Like, I believe Dishonored had a, had a stealth mode that you could go around with, too. And not to mention um, Splinter Cell. Everybody and their mother. Oh, loved, yeah. That that had there was there was a fandom for Splinter Cell for a very long time. Yes, there were. Stealth Assassins was the first one. Birth of the Stealth Assassins, Wrath of Heaven, Fatal Shadow. Holy cow! Are they still making? No, no. Last one was for three sixty. That's actually not too bad. It's a pretty long lived franchise, and that. That gives it a chance if they want to to re to uh, reignite it when the next gen comes out if they really want to. Yep, that's crazy. I love, but I loved MGS because that series actually was relatively fast paced. Yeah, there were stealth areas, but you never felt like things were too slow with that series. You were always moving at least towards a one goal or another, even with a lot of the covert ops stuff that you were doing. So you're never going to hear oh. me complain about it. How long did it take you to look up in the original Metal Gear Solid on uh, GameFAQs to switch the controller? Um, I had a friend who was absolutely enamored with MGS as a series. He's one of those. He was one of those individuals who owned the original MGS figures. So I didn't have to do jack shit. He told me all of this, all the secrets. Oh man, I had to. I fucking. It took me. Like three days before I went to three days of dying, like constant dying <laughs> to that boss to figure out that I had to just switch the controllers. <laughs> I found out through an episode of X Play after trying to kill the son of a bitch for over a week. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. That game was a lot of fun. I would actually go back and play it again. The new Metal Gear Solid, the one with, um, I want to say five. Maybe it's five. It is five. Five's the newest one. I think it might be the one before that, where you get stuck in the desert and you have to fight the mech. Are you talking about Phantom Pain? Yeah, I think I'm talking about Phantom Pain. That's still five. That was the last one. That was five. That is five. Five came in two parts. That one just seemed, oh man, that just seemed like way, way different than what it used to be. Like it, they completely changed. Everything got harder. It was the one where the like the ghosts would just show up in front of you, like out of nowhere. They'd flash in and then flash out real quick. Are you thinking of Snake Eater? No, because no. Snake Eater, Snake Eater used a a, a radar system. Oh, fair enough. There was, yeah, yeah. 
you there was an enemy where in the desert just before the mech fight where if you shot like you had to take like a sniper shot if you missed that shot these fuckers were like on top of you like instantly like they teleported weird that whole but i actually did a uh, i actually watched a um a full synopsis of the story and that when you're talking about a convoluted web of insanity that whole series was just amazing like if someone wrote yeah. a book if someone would have wrote an accompanying novel it for that i would have i would have been fucking all over that shit it had the right okay. combination of sub espionage and global global politics and sci-fi to make and tied it all together really effectively even after even at the end when they ended up kicking kojima with uh you know after phantom pain like i don't feel like that that's i feel like that series rounded off pretty effectively especially because technically four was this was the uh episode that actually ended the series fans of yes. pain just filled in just filled in a lot of uh extracurricular room in the middle explaining some of the background characters that you ended up dealing with as uh as solid snake yeah and I even just, then, uh, even then, five wasn't even fully fledged out because thanks to uh, Kojima being fired from Konami, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of Metal Gear Solid Five's ideas were scrapped. There was going to be a whole third arc that dealt with what happened to um, to Liquid Snake after no after he left with those mechas. Yeah, yep. I, I really like the, I really love long drawn out series. Like, series? 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 No, series. <laughs> series. <laughs> um, like, the whole, like, I'm going to go back to God of War again. You had game one, two, three, and then this one. And they're going to have Ragnarok come out next year. So it's like, they did such, and the split between the different like types of gods like from three into this one four they did it was like a smooth move like they tie everything together and i i love those kind of game like i think hitman was another one that did it they had what three or four versions maybe five and hitman did the same thing i think that's go ahead Orlando. Then you have the Legacy of Kane series. Now that oh, I forgot about that one. <laughs> that that was a beautifully written series. Yeah, I mean, I guess you can say the same thing about Final Fantasy because didn't at some point they say that the Final Fantasy was just different timelines, but they all are the same all, universe? No, they're they're all different timelines. All of them. It's a new story for different characters. Oh, so, every time. Yes. So they, I, I wouldn't necessarily count them. I think I that the, brings up an interesting quandary, and I think we could we should t- discuss it. When does a when should a, when should a company finally stop milking a series? And I know that sounds kind of jaded to say it that way, but like that's the best way to explain it. Because in a lot of cases, like Assassin's Creed is one of those things where it's just like okay. You, from what I hear, from what I know, they walked away from uh, the original protagonist 
after uh, Black Flag, I think, and they ended up going yeah. to some random some random Templar, and they've been dragging that out ever since then. So well, I don't get I don't get what the what the appeal is if you're not going to keep if you weren't using Desmond anymore. What's the point of even c- continuing? So I think the same thing with Devil May Cry. I mean, Devil May Cry used Dante all the way through, so five. But um, I I don't necessarily say milking it. Like Assassin's Creed did have some fundamental changes. Like Odyssey had a no block, like you couldn't block in the game or parry. It was parry. You couldn't parry, but you could block. So like they changed how the game played. So I think that's like you kind of have to like keep producing it. I mean, as far as story goes, the story you can just keep pushing it as long as the game is fun and different. Like the Final Fantasies, they pretty much have the same mechanics, but they've always been able to change something from the um the materia system to the fucking dresses in 102 to um, you know, the the normal just leveling up, finding gear type thing. Like if you if you can constantly change how the game plays and continue the story, I don't think there's any reason to not not keep going. Final Fantasy is always going to be Final Fantasy. I wish Star Ocean was just as big as Final Fantasy. The problem with Star Ocean is it was too niche. A lot of uh, yeah. the games that they came out with were like one off, two off here and there things. Like I believe they had. Uh, two Star Ocean games that actually coincided with each other. And I think it was the PS3 or PS4 generation that literally there were the, the two game the two games were like halves of a larger whole. I don't know. I don't play Star Ocean, but that, that's, if I recall, that was the situation. But as far as like Assassin's Creed, like, I mean, if all you're playing for it is just the, 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 uh, the assassinations and the stealth kills and all that kind of stuff, then, then that 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 feels kind of hollow. I, as far as I knew, the story was the major impetus for people jumping into the series. That and the characters. They change. They did change the combat though, because there's going to be situations you're going to be in the combat. They did change some of the combat from uh, Black Flag into Odyssey. But yeah. and and Black Flag know. had Black Flag. You had the uh, the ship battles. I just don't for, for that kind of stuff doesn't appeal to me. I I, I don't I'm not going to shit on anybody who enjoys it yourself included. It's just eh. I'm not I'm not a huge Assassin's Creed fan by far. I'm not. I just I mean I enjoy the games and I, I do play them for the story. But I mean as long as you keep the story fresh and you can progress it in a way without blowing a whole game to move like one character, I say keep going. <laughs> Mine would be a bit more cynical. And to me, Assassin's Creed has more than overstayed its welcome considering its uh, predatory practices. I think mm. when you're... I think that would be the definition of milking, the com- of milking a product. If you're going that far with all the microtransactions and DLCs and season yeah. passes and all that, be- all that bullshit... I think that's when you're milking the series too much and you need to fucking stop. I can agree with that, but I don't think, I don't think you're going to get, um, I think you'll get DLC, but I don't think you're going to get, well, Assassin's Creed hasn't been bad. I mean, okay. 
Odyssey was the microtransaction hell for them. So, and I don't, you can't really count Odyssey towards the storyline, but I think, I think Valhalla is going to be just like Black Flag, just like um, Rogue, just like those style games, because they they've wanted to try to go to an internet based game like an MMO style game. And that was what Odyssey kind of was supposed to be, which you're going to have the microtransactions in. It just happens. But I don't think they only had two games like that. They had, was it rogue Assassin's Creed rogue where you could have the team of three assassins and then uh, Odyssey. That was it. And Odyssey has like a season pass style to it. But I'm going to have to agree. I said, if, if you basically turn into Madden in 2K and you're trying to progress a story, I think your time's over. Agreed. Then I, and I would even put that for Orlando. Like, you even said it yourself. Uh, the company that makes uh, the Dynasty Warrior series, you'd be fine with them just burning to the fucking ground at this point if they're going to keep doing what they do with their predatory practices. Absolutely, I love the series, but if they're gonna fucking abuse it and do stupid shit with it, yeah, burn it to the fucking ground. It ain't worth it. Yeah, and the problem is, is that I think those companies. I think one of the major headaches for me is, and we actually talked about this in one of the uh, secret podcasts that were never published. We, we only um, have one, I think. <laughs> you have three, but yeah. anyway. No, technically we have five then, because if you have, we did, we did one, another one that you gave me that I never put out, and then you said you had another two, so you got like yeah. four, then. Uh, you got four. <laughs> yeah, well, one of the things that, that uh, Orlando and I finally agreed upon is, at the end of the day, we cannot allow a company, any company, to hold us hostage to an intellectual property. Uh, um, fucking uh, what is it? Uh, oh, what's the name of that series, Orlando? The last game was called Ziplash. Chibi Robo. If your ass is gonna put out Chibi Robo, it's gonna be a lackluster fucking experience that has nothing to do with the original cult classic at all, other than the fact that the characters in there. And you're going to say, well, if it doesn't do good, we're not gonna do anything with this IP ever again. Then fucking kill the IP. You cannot assume that people are going to be happy with you going and fucking a game di- uh, dynamically, mechanically and expect them to purchase the same shit. Dude, when Toys R Us closed down, there was an entire fucking shelf full of Chibi Robo Ziplash that they were selling for under a dollar. <laughs> yep. That's how I that I bought my copy right then and there. Like, you think I'm going to, even if I don't play the damn game, a dollar for a game that came with the fucking Amiibo? Yeah, that you can't beat that deal. I feel bad for the developer, but Nintendo basically fucked them over with that. I think, okay, where was I going to say? I will take remakes, not Final Fantasy VII Remake, but I will take a full-blown remake, like Link's Awakening, as a good substitute to the nostalgia. I agree because to a point there's enough of a reformatting of the, of the core game where it can feel like a new experience with still having that veneer of old nostalgia. So I agree with you on that, but when 
you have a situation where you're going and saying, "Hey, I'm going to take Pikmin, but make it a fucking platformer," and then you're in time, and then you get <laughs> shocked when the fucking fan base kicks you right in the dick. That's on you. Well, how how do you feel about Mario though? Because Mar- has crossed over to like seven million different titles. <laughs> oh, he's not. Don't worry. Mario is not looking at If we remember anything from the new Super Mario Brothers series, is that fans were already getting sick and tired of the series by the second fucking entry on the Wii. I, I mean, I don't know. I had, if you had they gone further, had had they continued on with that formula, even after the Wii U, after the Wii U uh, launch to- launch title. Um, Mario would have. Mario almost would have certainly have been a dead IP. They, I mean, they released but Odyssey they knew for that the because Switch. Mario was the most important franchise of the fucking company. He's the face of the fucking company. They knew they had to innovate. They had to do more, and that's how we got Odyssey instead. Yep. They that Odyssey was their hail mary after the Wii U bombed, and yes. Exactly. Uh, the the new Super Mario Brothers series was very interesting on its face, but they the tropes that they had kept reusing got so stale. Even like if you go back, a lot of people like Scott the Waz even said like the first new Super Mario Brothers was like it was interesting. Why did you make three more? I like, would go, two, I, I would I would go as far as saying that Super Mario Maker saved the franchise. I, I mean that's a bold statement there, Cotton. Let's see if it uh, let's see if it pans out for you. <laughs> I can see I can see why you would think that, but the only reason I have to disagree is because even Super Mario Maker could not push the sales of the Wii U any higher. And I bought a second Wii U as a present for a friend of mine that was the Super Mario Maker bundle. It wasn't enough. To push the the console into more into be- better relevance. Yeah, but now yeah, but they've moved on from the Wii U into the Switch, and I'm I'm wholeheartedly believe Super Mario Maker Two has saved that Mario like franchise because people have been. I mean, we even have issues with the the 3D All Stars that they put out <laughs> like. Most people are not going back to the, those 3D All Stars because they've already played them or they already own them. Because they've and done nothing with those games. They did right. nothing with them. No, I know, but that's what they I'm saying. You can't just you can't just force feed Mario into everything and expect us to pick it up. But I mean, they did they did tennis. They did they redid uh, Mario Kart. Uh, Mario Maker Two's out. What uh, what else is there? Like I mean, obviously you have Odyssey. Super Mario Party. Mario Party. Yeah, but Mario Party, I don't know. I, don't, <laughs> I really don't. Hey, I actually have Mario Party for the Switch. It's not bad. It's it not. really isn't. It's decent. The problem is is that while it's good when you play it, it it can only be played in short bursts because unfortunately, it wears its welcome pretty quickly. Agree. Yeah. But like I don't. Th- what are we? What are we going to see new in the next year that comes from Mario? That's not going to be obviously the Mario Olympics. But like, what what new thing can they do with Mario right now? 
Honestly, I don't think there's really anything new that they need to do. But what they put, what they're put out now, like Mario Thirty Five, is really fun. I don't know if you played it yet. I have. I didn't realize it was like a speed run type thing, and I was playing to my slow ass self, trying to no, do everything. And the next thing I did, I got. I was like, I didn't even finish one one yet. <laughs> no, it's just Tetris Ninety Nine. It's another. It's a battle royale style game, but with Super Mario Bros. Unfortunately. I can't even commend Nintendo for what they did because some YouTuber actually created a game like that, but with a hundred players, and Nintendo forced that person to shut it down. Shocker. Yeah. There's and then they basically took the damn idea. So just like AM2R, right? Yep. Nintendo is notorious for controlling their IP, shutting down anything and controlling their IP. Like the whole ROM thing that happened, when did that start? Like three, four years ago, they shut down like a whole ROM site that was doing basically what they're doing with the Nintendo Online. Well, yeah, because when it comes to those IPs that they still have licensing for, do you think they're going to let some some fucking archivist they legally their- cannot allow it to happen no i they get le- it but if you weren't going to do anything with it like obviously they are doing something with it but if you weren't going to do anything with it why not just let it go well if Be- you look at that they legally cannot let it go because what happens is um say they let one ip let someone um do one game but then there was another that went too far, and they take them to court. They can argue, well, you let these guys go. Why not us? Yes. And can potentially win them the case that way. So legally, Nintendo can't allow anyone to mess with their shit, even if it's a fan project, even yeah, if they're not they're, making any money off of it. The, I mean, I think the point that I'm trying to make is that Nintendo is notorious for having about it. Like, yes, just like I agree. Work. They are definitely assholes. They're notorious for being assholes for such a thing. It's just then stealing the idea is what makes it especially egregious to me. 100%. I Yeah, I think that's cool, though. I mean, obviously, they can understand that somebody created something that's great. Now, if they bring the creator in, I'd be better. I'd be more likely to like it more. I have more respect for Sega because they do exactly that. They see other people making great ideas and instead of just shutting them down, they'll take the project and hire the person behind the project. That's how Christian Whitehead was the director behind Sonic Mania. Why did Sega ever leave Sony? How did Sega ever split from Sony? Huh? They never were split from Sony. I thought they were, because the Sega Genesis came out, and I thought the original PlayStation that Sony put out was part of Sega. No, that the PlayStation was a result of a failed partnership with Nintendo, not Sega. Oh. So why did Sega ever leave behind their console used to... Because they were, it was a combination of their, of their, uh, 
their poor in their poor decisions and Sony's PlayStation 2. Gotcha. Because you see the Saturn should not have happened because the sat because while the Saturn was being developed, so was the Dreamcast. Yeah, but Dreamcast flopped hard. <laughs> it flopped hard because of the Sony PlayStation 2. And yeah, then there was the hacking. <laughs> the hacking. Um, I, I don't know, man. I, I want to pick up a Sega just to play Echo the Doll. <laughs> hey, I ain't stopping you. Just, hey, uh... Going back to historical things in my games, you know what? You know who was pretty close to history? Conquer. <laughs> I have it. Still have it, man. The N64? Oh. No, no. Con- not Conquer's Bad Fur Day. Uh, not the first one. The Conquer's Bad Fur Day for the Xbox, where he went and um, stormed the beaches of Normandy and fought That's Nazi the same bears. Game. That's the same game. It's just that Live and Reloaded is a remake of the N64 title. No, the N64, he doesn't storm Normandy, does he? Yes, yeah, he, he is. Why don't I yes, remember that did. part? Every the, the only difference between the remake on the Xbox and the N64 is the multiplayer. Ah, uh, yeah. The multiplayer for the Xbox version is shit compared to the N64 one. But every the, the story mode in the Xbox one is uh, in the Xbox version is the same as the N64 version. They go through all the tropes, the Terminator, the Great Mighty Pooh, the speeches of Normandy for the Saving Private Ryan spoof, <laughs> uh, the uh, the Dracula 2000. It's they all there. I thought they changed some of the stuff to be more updated. No, well they well they they the Xbox version is more censored, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> but the story is essentially the same. Oh man, that was such a good game. I love it. It sure as fuck is. Man, Nostalgia. I still like if somebody. So my a buddy of mine found somebody was throwing out some old like I was talking about PlayStation Two. They had um an N sixty not an N sixty four. You know they did have an N sixty four N sixty four and an old Sega and the N sixty no the N sixty four was the only one that had a controller to it. None of the cables or controllers came with the systems. And I was like, dude, just grab me that Sega. I'll find an old um. An old, I'll find a controller for it, and then I'll I'll go by Echo the Dolphin. <laughs> I don't know why I'm like the last like two weeks I've been obsessed with trying to play Echo the Dolphin. <laughs> Good fucking luck with that. That was such a hard game, man. Especially back in the day. Doom sixty four. I want to say the Xbox, uh, not Xbox, the Genesis Mini that they came out with has Echo the Dolphin on it. So why don't you grab that? Does it really? <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, I guess I will grab it then. <laughs> nice. See, we helped you. You win. <laughs> does it? Hold on, I gotta see if it really does have it on there though, because I need to know. There's Holy like shit. There's like dude, forty GameStop? games on there, no, dude. Wait. Oh, hold on, I read that wrong. 
I was like, no way GameStop is selling this thing for fucking $300. No, no, (laughs) not even close. They couldn't even sell the PlayStation Classic for that much. Do you remember? Do you remember the sixty-four bit um, a, attachment to play Doom? Oh, you're you talking about the thirty-two X. Yeah, the thirty-two X attachment. I got that. I own that attachment. Do you really? Oh, Echo the Dolphin is on there. Nice. Castlevania is on there. Um, Toe Jam and Earl. Fuck yeah. Altered Beasts. <laughs> I'm going to grab one of these. 30, it's only 35 bucks. Streets of Rage 2 is on there. Yep. I believe both Sonic 1 and 2 are on there. Golden Axe is on there. Road Rash 2. Fuck yeah. I think, I think Comic Zone is on there too. I'm not sure. The original Sonic. Yeah, on comic, every fucking one. comic Zone is on here. Yeah, now that's a fucking good game. Fuck yeah, I'm gonna get me one of these. How much are they on Amazon? <laughs> what the fuck, man? They're like 50 bucks. Fuck that, I'm gonna get it again. <laughs> <laughs> they're, going, they're going under. It's like 35 bucks. I'll just grab it there. <laughs> That's the. <laughs> oh my god, I can't wait for. Dude, if GameStop ever goes under, I'm like, I'm already trying to figure out where I can buy cheap it. It is going under. No, no, like when they finally officially shut their doors. They are finally shutting their doors. No, they're not. Where? No, they're closing certain ones. I'm talking about completely. Like the company they, just They've already filed for bankruptcy. They're going to shut them all down. Bankruptcy doesn't mean anything. Companies file for bankruptcy all the time. Doesn't mean that they're going to go under. Wow, they you're more optimistic about this than we are, Jason. Well, no, I'm serious. There's companies that come back from it. Um, well, Sears did, and then they started closing their stores. But then they bought Kmart with tell it. Me, tell me that again when uh, Toys R Us finally gets back up and running, because technically they're saying Toys R Us will be opening up stores again, and that was two years ago. So they were supposed to do a seasonal thing like Spirit, they were supposed to open up their like their toy stores like selectively in certain areas, just like um, who just closed down? I think Kmart was it Kmart? Not Kmart. Yeah, they're yeah, Kmart. They they opened up certain stores and rebranded, not rebranded completely, but like um, opened back up and started selling different stuff. So honestly. I 100% dude, I wish somebody would come in, buy a whole shit ton of stock somewhere, and then open up like a fly by night, like toy store just for um, like Christmas purposes. Like, remember the old KB toys and shit like that? You know, that might not be the worst idea. Um, there's somebody doing something similar to that. Walmart is experimenting drone delivery. In North Carolina. That's not going to work out. (laughs) Okay. No, I'm talking about like doing like Amazon was even talking about doing it. Opening up little mini like toy stores for like the Christmas time. Amazon would would probably be the best fitted to do it on a large scale. As shitty as that sounds. Most people are buying their fucking toys on Amazon anyway. 
which fucking sucks because you're going to end up buying some Chinese bullshit that is going to break day one within the first five minutes. And when in reality, you want to go to the store, pick it up, hold it, and be like, yeah, this is going to survive my fucking three-year-old. <laughs> like, seriously, though, am I wrong? Not entirely. <laughs> like, fuck, man. I bought, I bought a... Uh, my kid wanted a garbage truck, so I bought him a garbage truck off of Amazon. Because, you know, log in, order it, whatever. It gets here, and I'm like, you have to put this thing together? I'm like, this thing's fucking cool. So we put it all together. Dude, the thing fucking broke in five minutes, and I already had to call in for a return to Amazon to get a new <laughs> Damn. Yeah, and, and the replacement showed up. It's still in the box. I haven't even fucking opened it up yet. You're scared that it'll break in another five minutes? Yeah, it's the same fucking product. I didn't get a different one. They just sent me the same fucking thing. <laughs> so. Oh, man. Fucking, I miss toy stores. It sucks. I think the last time I took my kid to a store, a toy store was, I want to say three years ago. It's been th- three years? Four years now? When did Toys R Us close? 2018. So two years ago, yeah. So two years ago was the last time um, I was in a toy store. We need KB Toys to come back for sure, though. <laughs> the place to. The last day that Toys R Us was open, I went in and bought a copy of Saint Row, Saints Row 3. Wait a minute. Wait, hold up. No way. What? You gonna leave us hanging or you gonna fucking tell us? Uh, Toys R Us still has a website. Yes, like I said, according to what you said, you aren't technically wrong. They still have their website. They're supposedly going to come open up a few stores. They just haven't yet. But they're, they're, they're technically still alive, but they're functionally dead. No, because it looks like they're still selling shit through their website. Interesting. Interesting. Oh, unless they decided to be an online service only. That's what I'm trying to figure out right now. Powered ride-ons. Because that's what I'm in the in, in the market for right now. Let's take a look. Do they have a cart function? Hold on. Let's see this. All right. What am I going to get? My holy shit! Those things are that expensive. Oh, they say Amazon price. Do they sell on Amazon? No. Look, if they're selling through Amazon, you could say they're functioning. No, 100%, dude. They have a Toys R Us website. When you hit buy now, it takes you straight to Amazon. They're functionally dead. Yeah. I wonder if Amazon bought the website. Probably. Yeah, because the only way you can buy anything now, everything, everything goes straight to Amazon. Holy shit. 
Wow. Well, there goes my childhood. <laughs> All our childhoods. Yeah, for real. I just, I, yeah, I didn't even notice this Amazon price, Amazon price, Amazon price. That's crazy. Oh, well. It is what it is, dude. Yeah. Sold and shipped by or fulfilled through Amazon.com. <laughs> They're dead. Amazon owns them. I'm just going to say it right now. Amazon fucking owns Toys R Us. Holy shit. Jeff Bozo uh, looked at Jeffrey the giraffe and was like, you work for me now, motherfucker. Yeah, I dude. Don't think- I think it's a completely different experience. I think that uh, Toys R Us is just the it's just a skin suit that Amazon just sticks sticks their fingers in and walks around and puppets around like a freak show. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, dude! This is ridiculous. Are you really surprised though? No, I'm not. But you can literally scroll through their whole website and look at all these different toys and everything. Hold on. Personalized recommendations. Oh my god, yeah, dude. Everything on this website is Amazon. Every yeah. fucking thing. Jesus. The website might as well be the merchant from Resident Evil 4. The f- <laughs> what are you buying? Dude, do they a good selection of things in style for you to die, stranger. <laughs> I'm wondering if they actually have like staff that like updates this website. All right. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, every 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 little button takes you right to Amazon. 100% Amazon bought them. I I'm like now I hoping, I'm kind of hoping the the staff that somehow manages the website are the same actors from the old Toys R Us commercials. The ones that sing the <laughs> stupid song. <laughs> I want to be a Toys R Us kid. Back in 2000, Tony, to, Toys R Us probably announced a deal to have Amazon create a Toys R Us site on Amazon.com. Amazon uh, would handle all e-commerce site development and order fulfillment, and Toys R Us would pay them $50 million annually for the service. So yeah, 100% Amazon owns Toys R Us. Toys R Us. Yeah, hold on. 2007, Toys R Us came uh, out. Toys R Us uh, got serious about the internet much too late. It was only in May that the company said it would revamp its website to compete with Amazon and other retailers. Oh, come on. That's why I have to log in for this fucking shit. I ain't doing that. Fuck off. Oh, Toys R Us sued Amazon? Did they win? I didn't think they did. When did this happen? Uh, so this is September 20th, 2017. Toys R Us filed for Chapter 2 bankruptcy protection in the U.S. and Canada and Monday in Forbes proceeding. The proceedings will not continue, will not include the company's European, Asian, or Australian operations, and stores in the U.S. Canada will remain open. The children's toy reseller was burdened with a hefty $5 billion of debt which became $5 billion of debt. Holy shit. How much was this company worth? Which became different, uh, difficult to pay down as online drew in more customers. Same store sales in its latest quarter fell 4.1% year over year, 
resulting in $164 million in loss. Jesus fuck. Toys are worth that much? The, the company tried to revamp stores to enhance the in-store experience. It created nerf target practice areas and allowed drones, hoping the interactive atmosphere would boost foot traffic and sales. It also price-matched online holiday deals from Amazon and other e See, that's the problem. They started competing with Amazon. That's why they went under. Okay, however, Toys R Us may have set itself back uh, when it signed a 10-year contract to be the exclusive vendor of toys on Amazon in 2000. Holy sh- So they were, the- they were exclusively selling on Amazon their toys. Amazon began to-, to sell on its site in spite of the deal, and Toys R Us sued Amazon to end the agreement in 2004. As a result, Toys R Us missed the opportunity to develop its own e-commerce presence early on. Target inked a similar deal to allow Amazon to run its e-commerce operations, but after it ended the partnership, it promised to shore up $2.5 billion per year to boost its own online site. Toys R Us has not, has not been as committed. It only recently announced plans to revamp its site, which is, which is established in 2006 and pledged a mere $100 million to its e-commerce efforts over the next three years. Jesus Christ. So Amazon stunted Toys R Us's growth and Toys R Us and then said fuck you to Toys R Us. God damn. Well shit. Here's some of the key takeaways from the report. Brick and mortar retailers must cut delivery times and costs to meet online shopping uh, ex- expectations for free and fast shipping. Omnichannel fulfillment services can help retailers achieve that goal while also keeping their stores relevant. So basically you have to sell on Amazon and stay to stay relevant. In order to optimize and realize the full benefits of these omni-channel services, retailers must be in time-consuming transformations of their logistics, inventory, and store systems and operations. You basically have, you're forced to, to work with Amazon. God damn. If there's any reason to hate Amazon more than Well, it only helps explain just how it became such a juggernaut. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe Amazon did that. Like, fuck, man. Nobody at Toys R Us was paying attention. They let it go on for four years and then took them to court and said, we want out of our deal. They didn't even take money out of the deal. They just said, we don't want to be, we don't want to deal with you anymore. <laughs> fuck Amazon. God damn, dude. <laughs> All right, well. <laughs> oh, man. All right, we got anything else we want to talk about? <laughs> now that we've come to the conclusion to fuck Amazon again? <laughs> no, I think that's the best way to end it. I agree. Fuck Amazon? Is that why we're doing this? <laughs> fuck Amazon. Even though there might be a chance that we all might eventually order something from Amazon anyway. Yeah, I order I order yeah. shit from Amazon every fucking day, dude. Every fucking day I order something. Fair enough. Well, pretty damn close to every day, but yeah. God. Amazon's killing the world, man. They're killing the world and they're taking my money with it. Well, they're slowly well, they started in China, if you know about their uh their exploitation of measles Muslims. 
Amazon didn't start in China. I'm only saying it because they're oh. using outright slavery to oh. profit. Yeah, because that's how Bezos is worth so much because he's they don't want to unionize. They actually start. They started as an online bookstore. I'm surprised. Did they buy? What was the bookstore? Yeah, they did. They did buy them. Barnes and Noble. Amazon bought Barnes and Noble. That was their first main pickup, if I remember correctly. Okay, I think we've finally gone completely off the rails now. Yes. I think we can end this now. (laughs) We had such a beautiful thing going with fuck Amazon. Yeah, we did. I can edit all this extra shit out, but yeah. Fuck Amazon. Yeah, listen to your heart. If you think it's if you think it's a little over, go for it. Otherwise, I I, I was enjoying it anyways because it was a it was a nice little shit show that we got to be a part of. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. All right, uh, thanks for coming in. Listen to us again. You can find us on Facebook at Angry War Gamer Podcast. You can find us on Twitter. Myself, I've now rebranded to the Angry War Gamer. You can still find me at Obi Wan Fat Kid. Uh, Drew. Uh, my uh, Twitter credentials are Punk Toast. Um, I'm not currently on Facebook in any professional capacity, so that's kind of crossed off. Um, on Instagram, I am Punk Toast on there as well. If people want to follow me on there, I just post cat pics, so whatever. <laughs> How about you, Lando? You can find me on Twitter at uh, Harima at Ragnarok Night. Nice. All right, um, follow us. Stay updated. If you guys want to hear about something specific, let us know on any of the platforms. And until then, I got nothing to leave there. We should come up with something for an outro. Stay sexy or go fuck yourself. No, go fuck yourself is too much to Bill Burr. (laughs) 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 All right, see you guys next time. See you.